the message to you this morning. So we are on the sermon series. So if you have that first slide, I'm glad you've got power. We are in a... Um, uh, sorry, that's a prophecy. I, 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 took, I just want to tell the first slide. Sorry about that. We are in um, a, a sermon series called God on Both Sides of the Cross. And we're using, we're using Easter as sort of the pinnacle in terms of uh, um, you know, looking at God's story. So we had a, a, a fair amount of time looking at, at, at our stories, and now we're looking at God's story, looking at from the Old Testament uh, through the cross into the New Testament, and how it affects us today. And so um, we started off at looking at uh, just a, a, a uh, what is God's story in terms of the four chapters, uh, the creation, <coughs> fall, redemption, rest, uh, restoration. Um, that's how we see God's story unfolding. Um, then we had a sermon on sacrifice and how the sacrifices were uh, followed in the Old Testament, uh, what the sacrifice means at the cross and what sacrifice means today. <coughs> Last week we looked at prophecy. We, we looked at prophecy in the Old Testament. Uh, what is the, uh, how does the, uh, all those prophetic uh, words come and meet at the cross or the birth of Christ and what is prophecy for us today? And um, I'm going to be sharing with you on festivals. And uh, I know you're thinking, what? We're going to be looking at festivals, looking at festivals in the Old Testament, how they, uh, how they relate to the cross. And you're going to be amazed this morning, because I certainly was amazed. I was so blessed in preparing the sermon and how festivals are used today. And so we're going to be looking at, 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 at festivals. And, um, and if you look at sacrifices in, in the Bible, if you look at prophecy in the Bible, if you look at the festivals in the Bible, I'm telling you, if we can get a better understanding of these three things, only these three things, the way we read Scripture is going to blow your mind. The way we're going to read Scripture, the, the more we understand God's story, the more it has relevance and the more it will affect our lives in the way that we live for Jesus. And uh, so I'm just sharing a little bit of <laughs> conviction in my own heart when, when, when preparing this message and just listening to the last two sermons on, on um, sacrifice and prophecy. So we're going to be looking at, at festivals this morning. And um, what a better, there's no better way than to introduce you to the festivals or the, to build up to the festivals than what we find ourselves in today called Palm Sunday. Because Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey to celebrate the Passover meal. And, uh, and um, I, 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 I'm going to ask Karen if she'd come up and read that for us. If you've got your Bibles, Matthew 21, it's an introduction to the message, but I think it's a great way of just, just uh, 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 positioning us this morning as we look at festivals. <coughs> Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took, took place to fulfill what, the, what was spoken through the prophets. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
The clouds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Thank you for that. And so here we see Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey to celebrate the Passover. And the Passover is one of the, the seven festivals that we will cover this morning. And what I want to do is briefly go through the different festivals, and then we're going to do a little bit of teamwork. In. So we're all going to get in and, uh, and uh, 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 do a little bit of um, uh, work around the festivals. But the first one um, that, uh, that, that is highlighted here is uh, Passover. And so uh, it, was, it was customary that you would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And this story that we just read about Palm Sunday is exactly that, Jesus coming in on a donkey. And what's quite interesting is there was a prophetic word in there as well about the, the donkey um, and the cult that has been fulfilled. I think it's Zechariah 9, 9, I think it is, uh, where that is prophesied that the Messiah will come in on a donkey. And so you, you start sort of joining the dots when you, when you look at sort of the story of God. But what's quite interesting about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, it's quite... I mean, yeah, like we've got to use our imagination here because it's quite interesting because so um, Jesus tells his disciples go get the, the donkey that's tied up. Um, I did some research. There was a, probably about a, a, a million animals sacrificed every day in the seven days of that festival of Passover going through into two, two or three of the other, pass, uh, other sort of festivals at the time. So for the disciples to go and go and find a, another animal that was tied up and, uh, and to take it and, and, and to use the terminology that, you know, the Lord needs it. I mean, it's quite profound in terms of them going to go and find the animal because that animal was probably worth a lot of money. Um, and so it speaks into, as you, as you discover the story of Jesus and the, and the festivals, like just how like, powerful the story is, Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. Not only that, there's probably about 2 million people that was living in Jerusalem at the time. I don't know if that's true because I've been to Jerusalem and I've seen the whole city. If you've got two million people, there's people staying in tents, or there's people staying in the there's people staying in all, all over the place. But uh, but what, what is quite interesting when you do some research around Passover, it was a crazy festival. There were so many people, there were so many animals, there was so much happening, and here comes Jesus. And what a great opportunity for Jesus to come at the place where most of the Jewish people were to come and uh, declare that He is the Son of God or for Jesus down the cross, but we'll get onto that in a little bit, in a, in, a, in a little while. You see, to most modern Christians, or for you and I today, Jewish festivals in the Old Testament seemed to be quite strange, or they were sort of ancient rituals uh, that had no significance in our faith today. And that's what I thought when I was, when I was uh, uh, starting to prepare the message. It's like, why do we have to study the festivals in the Old Testament? If you look at the painstaking rules about the days you need to keep, the food you need to eat, the animals you need to sacrifice, the many animals you need to sacrifice, this could create a great challenge for you and I today as we read the scriptures. And I had to get over that in my mind when I realized I had to preach on this subject. But for the Israelites, these festivals were a framework for their, their calendar, their, their, their religious calendar. These festivals were used throughout the year. And it was a way of, 
of, of, of building relationship with God. Each festival was an opportunity to remember and celebrate some aspect of God's deliverance, His provision for His people. So it's quite profound that like, the reason why they would have these festivals was not just to have a good time or to celebrate, but to remember something about God, something that God had done for them. We have that to some degree, don't we? When we look at the Easter and we look at Christmas, but nowhere near the, uh, what, what uh, the ancient Israelites, um, the way they used the festivals. And only one of the seven festivals that we're going to have a look at, only one of them called for a fast. The, the rest were these Jewish occasions where the community <coughs> would worship and celebrate what God has done for them. So as we look at sort of the, for the Israelites, but if we look at sort of uh, in terms of the Old Testament, each of the feasts drew the Israelites to the attention of God. Each of these, fe each of these festivals drew people into understanding more of God. Reminding the people of God's saving acts of the past, His ongoing pro uh, 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 providence and, and, and presence uh, in, in the present, and also pointing people to the future. So these festivals, it looked at the past, it looked at the present, and it looked at the future in terms of how God related to His people and how God uh, would meet with His people. And as we carry on further down, we see in the Old Testament that, uh, that the coming of Jesus was, was a foreshadow of, of fulfilling all those different uh, festivals. And we're going to see this morning that all seven of those festivals were, 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 were um, a foreshadow of, of, of Jesus' coming. And just such a profound concept of, of the festivals, Jesus coming to fulfill the festivals, um, uh, all seven of them and uh, the implication it has on both sides of the cross uh, for you and I. And so it's Jesus coming and, and uh, fulfilling or, or meeting all the requirements of those festivals. I guess that's why we don't celebrate those festivals today. I don't think there is need for us to celebrate all seven of those festivals. <laughs> so I think we can, we, can, we can know about them. And my challenge for us this morning is we do know about them because it's going to help us understand God's story and how... Um, incredible God's timing is, how precise His timing is, that our God leaves nothing to chance. It actually gives us a, a glimpse of the future in, in, in one respect. And so what I'd like to do is, before we get into those, to the festivals, where you will find all the festivals written in the scriptures, um, you will find it in, um, let's have the next slide. Leviticus 23. If you look at Leviticus 23, all the way through that one scripture, I know people are saying, where's the book of Leviticus? <laughs> is that in the Bible? The challenge is, it is. And when you read it, and there's so many commentaries, there's so many, you can go to YouTube, you can go, you can go and find like, what, like a way of understanding Leviticus chapter 23, or perhaps the first five books of the Bible, or the Old Testament, as Chantal was saying, the different sort of prophetic books of the Bible as well. You know, we've got to get really, we've got to get into it. Because there you're going to understand God's story. There you're going to understand God's story. And what we find in Leviticus 23 verse 2, God says that these are my feasts. It's almost he's, he's um, endorsing these festivals. 
the feast and festivals, same, same, same concept. That God Himself is saying, these festivals, uh, I endorse these festivals. I want you to celebrate these festivals. Because it does obviously lead to Him. And so if you look at the, that portion of Scripture there, you will find um, all the, all the, all the uh, festivals. And uh, also, I mean, that, that's where you find a summary of them. But what you will find throughout the Old Testament are, the, are, are sort of uh, dotted all through the Old Testament where these festivals, the origin of these festivals and where they come from. And, um, but what I'm going to do now is I'm going to quickly run through the seven festivals and I want just to get into groups. But please, like, if you feel like you're going to, like, no, this is too much for me on a Sunday, I'm just waiting for that cup of coffee. Maybe you go stand at the back because I don't want you to miss this. If you get tired or if you get bored, or if you just go on, go, just go. Just try and get these seven festivals. Try and understand them because um, they're going to be in the uh, um, the uh, life group notes as well. Um, so we'll get them to you. But uh, but uh, my encouragement is, come on, can we push through? Let's push through because I guarantee you, you'll gain something this morning. So quick. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Man. Are you trying to share the face with her as well? Ross, no. <laughs> Let's have the first slide. Let's have the first slide. There are four, there are four festivals on here that I'm going to run through. Um, and we're going to start with Passover. Uh, Passover is the first of the, of the uh, festivals uh, and probably the most important. So Jesus on the donkey riding into Jerusalem, he is going to the Passover, he's going to the Passover uh, uh, celebration festival. Uh, it was the celebration during uh, sort of the, it was uh, it was uh, it was the, sorry it was a celebration um, during our our calendar round about March um, early April and uh, the Jewish folk had a different calendar to the, to the calendar that we have but it was around that time that uh, that this festival took place um, it uh, the Passover festival was the central event in in Israel's history where God delivered the people out of slavery in Egypt. Remember that the Egyptians, uh, the, the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians and uh, it was the, the last of the plagues that, that, that uh, God sent uh, the, uh, the angel of death and, and uh, what the Israelites had to do is they had to take a, uh, a, 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 a lamb, a, a perfect lamb and uh, take the blood of the lamb and put it on the lamp, not lamp post, put it on the doorpost of, of, the, um, of the house. And, uh, and the angel, will, if, if there was blood on the, the doorpost, the angel would go over, and if it didn't, the firstborn of every, uh, of every um, house uh, died. I mean, it's, um, and it's this that uh, this feast is, um, uh, is the most important in the, the, uh, uh, within the Old Testament. Um, and what's quite interesting about this is that this feast is the foreshadow of the sacrifice of Christ. Remember, we're looking at Jesus on both sides of the cross. Um, who was the final Passover meal uh, when he had the final Passover meal with his disciples that night that he was betrayed he had that Passover meal and a little bit later he gives them communion and we're going to have communion a little bit later so he changes things up a little bit that night but, uh, but for, for many many years the Israelites would, would celebrate the Passover meal in remembrance of how God liberated the people from slavery um, and so that's the Passover meal and so when we look at, at Jesus Christ fulfilling the, the Passover meal, it's, I think it's John that looked at Jesus as Jesus came and he said, 
look, there comes the, uh, the, uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So just as that Lamb was used uh, in um, the Israelites being set free from, from Egypt, uh, Jesus becomes the sacrificial Lamb. He fulfills the Passover meal. He is the one uh, whose, whose sins are forgiven. As, he, as, he, as his blood is shed for us. Um, and what we also see is that Jesus being the Passover meal, shedding his own blood on the cross, delivers us. And so that as we trust him, both Jews and Gentiles, we are set free from our sin. And so that's the Passover meal. The unleavened bread, the second festival that took place, was the next day after the Passover meal. The next day, so you had the Passover meal, and the very next day it was the, the feast of unleavened bread. Now you know the story of unleavened bread is that the Israelites, because um, Pharaoh had released the, the, the Israelites to, to leave Egypt, they were in such a rush that, uh, that they, the bread that they made was unleavened bread. And so for seven days you would have a celebration of, of, um, of celebrating the unleavened bread um, the very next day for seven days. And uh, while... Uh, uh, while the two of these festivals are interchangeable, the, the sort of uh, Passover and unleavened bread, they are distinct. Um, after eating the, the Passover lamb with the unleavened bread, the Israelites would continue un eating unleavened bread, bread without yeast, for another seven days. And in the Bible, yeast was typically known or is used as a symbol of sin and uh, hard, uh, uh, the, the pervasive effect of sin. And so when they celebrated the, un, the, the festival of unleavened bread, it was a sort of a highlighting again of one's sin um, and uh, what sin would cause. But Jesus coming as the Passover lamb, he comes and he takes care of our sin. And so for, for those that, uh, that in the New Testament seeing Christ coming and being our Passover lamb, just the, 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 the meaning of, of just that festival of unleavened bread. Every day you're eating unleavened bread. There's a reminder again that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. That this pervasive power of sin in my life can be destroyed by what Jesus did for me on the cross. I mean, we, don't, we don't celebrate that now, but, uh, but it is quite a symbolic thing to, to be reminded of like, that Jesus' death on the cross, that our sins are forgiven. We know that, don't we? But what, what a great opportunity to be reminded of it in some way. Um, you know, the, as, as the, um, the early church was reminded, or, or, or sort of the, the Old Testament going into the early church and finding out more about Jesus and Jesus, you know, um, perhaps replacing that, that festival of unleavened bread. Um, so the first day of the, uh, the, the festival of unleavened bread uh, followed the next, uh, it, it was quite interesting, it was, it was that day, the very next day, Jesus was in the tomb. So you're going to start joining the dots here. So Jesus died on the day that the Passover meal, uh, uh, that the, the Passover was celebrated. The very next day, Jesus fulfills the next festival of unleavened bread by being in, in the tomb. As he, as, as, um, uh, as he, as he remains there for another couple of days, and we'll see that the next festival that comes, Jesus rises from the dead, and the very next festival is first fruits. That's quite amazing. It's quite amazing that this would happen on these festivals. What happened to Jesus? There's one. There's one thing of saying that Jesus could fulfill all of these festivals, but in the way that he fulfilled it, but the way that God fulfilled it through Jesus, is unbelievable. 
And so the third festival that we need to look at is uh, the first fruits. Um, like the, like the, the feast of unleavened bread, the, uh, the feast of first fruits often overlaps with uh, unleavened bread. So the unleavened bread and the first fruits seem to overlap, but they are quite distinct. And the unleavened bread and the first fruits, uh, the, way that, uh, the way that we see them is that uh, um, it's um, uh, the latter, which is um, uh, the first fruits festival, it started the third day after Passover. The third day after Passover. See, the first fruits marked the start of the spring fest, uh, harvest, celebrating God's goodness and His provision for Israel, for the Israel, for Israel. Um, and uh, what we find is that uh, um, when we get to the the, the the feast or the festival of Pentecost, that's sort of uh, thanking God for the for the, the harvest. And so the first fruits was uh, celebrate was celebrating God's goodness um, and Him providing for Israel. Uh, at the beginning of the first fruits is also the day Jesus rose from the dead. So we've got, you've got Passover where Jesus died, you've got unleavened bread where he is in the tomb, and then you've got the first fruits festival where he rises from the dead. That's, that's radical. I mean, that is some timing. That's some sort of precision. That's some sort of uh, knowing the, the beginning from the last, or you know, the first and the last from, you know, that's that's God knowing everything. Um, and then, so the fourth one is the the, the, the feast of uh, Pentecost, or the the feast of weeks. Um, and so, as I said, like the first fruits is uh, the festival of the start of um, of the uh, the harvest. Um, and the, the, the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, is celebrating or thanking God uh, for the harvest. And so, the, the, where we get the word Pentecost from is that uh, it was a celebration that lasted seven weeks. So it was seven, seven um, sabbaticals. Um, sabbaticals. Seven sabbaticals. Seven sabbaticals. It was um, uh, celebrating the, the seventh uh, Sabbaths. So it's 50 days after the first fruits. Hence, in the New Testament, the name Pentecost is a Greek word um, that, uh, that describes the word 50, or that highlights the word 50. And what's quite interesting about thanking God, or, or the, the, fest, uh, the, the festival of Pentecost, uh, it was quite an interesting um, uh, uh, practice that would happen, that two, two loaves of bread would be made, um, that would have yeast in it. And so those two breads were symbolic of the, the harvest that God provided the Israelites with. These two loaves of bread. And, um, and the symbolism of these two loaves of bread was for the Greeks and the Gentiles. That, uh, that uh, there is a harvest for Greeks and for Gentiles that can come through Jesus Christ, which is quite powerful. Um, but what's also quite interesting is that uh, on the f like 50 days after... After Passover, we know that uh, Jesus ascends into heaven and the Holy Spirit is released uh, on the day of Pentecost. And Chantal uh, preached from uh, Joel chapter 2, where I'll pour out my spirit on all people. And it's quite interesting, the symbolism of the two loaves of bread for the Jews and for the Gentiles. When the Holy Spirit comes, uh, uh, the work of Christ is open for all through the, through the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, wow. Those, those, five, those four festivals 
and the significance of each of those for the for the the for the the, the, uh, the Israelites moving through the Old Testament into the New Testament and the New Testament experiencing that for us to have a look at it like this from a bird's eye view to see it like that and to say that like on Passover that Jesus died for our sins during the festival of unleavened bread Jesus was in the tomb um, Jesus Jesus rose on the, the festival of first fruits and uh, and 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead he ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit was sent down isn't that incredible Quickly, let's go on to the last three. The last three festivals that... Uh, so it's those four festivals that were sort of in, in March, April, and I think the last three are in September, October, uh, in terms of our calendar. Um, and it's quite interesting because the first, the first four, Jesus comes and... Uh, uh, God comes through Jesus, and those four festivals are, um, you know, they... Um, fulfilled in the way in terms of, of, of the life of Jesus, but these three are a little bit different because, you know, some commentators would say that actually this is still to come. This is still to come. It has come, but the fulfillment of these festivals are yet to come. And I, I don't have time to go into, into all of that, but just to say there is the Feast of the Trumpets and the Feast of Trumpets uh, um, uh, what would happen is that, uh, as I said, it's early September, October, um, and one of the leaders would come and blow a silver trumpet or a shofar or a, a ram's horn, um, and this was calling the people to rest. This was calling the people to, re to rest, reflection, and worship. It was a 10-day period, and after these 10 days of the trumpet, the, the, the blow of the trumpet, after those 10 days, the, the, the very next festival would be one day, and that would be the Day of Atonement. Just going back to the, to, to the trumpets, the symbolism beyond the trumpets <coughs> is that, um, you know, within the Bible, blowing of trumpets symbolizes triumph, it symbolizes rejoicing, it symbolizes judgment. Um, in the New Testament authors, uh, as, as well for Jesus himself, des de de described his return accompanied with the blowing of a trumpet. And that's sort of the apostolic, or what's it, the, uh, not apostolic, the uh, um, uh, looking into the future. That, uh, that, that's, the, that's where we get that sort of, perhaps that understanding of it. And then after the, after the festival of Day of Trumpets is the Day of Atonement. And it's the most holy day in the Hebrew calendar, Day of Atonement. I love this uh, festival. It was one day. And this was the one festival where people weren't asked to... Uh, uh, I was going to say festival <laughs> uh, to, to, to feast but they were, they were called to, to fast mm -hmm. and what's quite interesting I think um, uh, we heard in the, um, the sermon on, um, on um, sacrifice is that to come right with God, to be clear with God for your sins to be forgiven you would have to sacrifice an animal um, but this was the, the one day that the priest would go into the Holy of Holies uh, and sprinkle blood and, 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 it would, and, and that, 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 uh, that act that would come from the high priest, in that day, people, all people would be forgiven. Something about people that don't have money to buy animals for sacrifice. I think, was it Mary that bought a pigeon, which was the cheapest animal to sacrifice? And here is a case on this day, this celebration, when the high priest, uh, stands in the gap for, for, for all people, all people are forgiven 
and you don't need to give a sacrifice on that day. Doesn't that look, sound familiar? Mm -hmm. That when Jesus died, that curtain was torn in two. Mm -hmm. And he became our atonement. Mm -hmm. He became the one that we, that we are at, at, at one minute with God because of Jesus Christ. And that was filled in the Day of Atonement. Some are saying there is going to come a day where all are atoned. Um, all are atoned, perhaps in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then the last of the festivals is the, 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 the feast or the festival of booths or tabernacles. Um, five days after the, the solemn day of atonement comes the joyful celebration of the feast or festival of booths or tabernacles, lasting for a week. And this is the highlight in terms of the, the Hebrew calendar. This is, this is um, in the year, this is the last of, of the festivals. And uh, it symbolizes the 40-year sojourn of, in the wilderness of the Israelite people. That God tabernacled with his people. Remember, it was the tabernacle, and it became the temple, and then it became uh, the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Um, but God was there as their guide. Um, and, uh, and we also know that uh, um, when, Jesus, when, when Jesus came and um, was released at Pentecost, uh, it came upon all people. It came to, into, and those that invited him in came. Uh, the Holy Spirit came into their heart, into, into our lives. Um, and symbolism of this of this uh, festival is that uh, for his followers, the followers of Jesus, who travel in this temporary world, we're looking one day to an eternal home, and where God will tabernacle with us forever. Um, and we look at Colossians 2, verse 17. Um, these are the shadow of what is to come in the substance of Jesus Christ. With all these <coughs> Seven festivals. And just this like, little brief history behind it, some of the symbolism and uh, the foreshadowing of what Christ has come to do. What I'd like us to do, and maybe if you want to mix up, it's, all, it's also fine. We're going to have five, five or ten minutes, five minutes at least. Just get into a group. Maybe you want to turn around, or maybe if you want to go and meet some other people, turn around. It's really just going to be an interactive time. And what I'd like us to do... That's my other job. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get into groups. And, um, and, uh, and then I'm going to come around and give you one festival, or if you want to choose a festival, maybe take one that you, you thought was, I haven't heard of this one before, because um, I want us to chat about it, and what was significant that you got out of it, is there something that you know about it that we can all learn from, so let's do that, get into groups, maybe five or six, something like that, not bigger than that, because you won't have time to share, so just break up into groups. Okay, I want um, it would be quite nice to hear what was discussed, so I'm going to hold the mic, I'll hold the mic, and I'll come around. So I'll hold the mic. Right. Okay. Please say seven apples. Please say seven apples. I don't know, but she's coming to Out of all the feasts, this is the one feast that had nothing to do with food. You had to actually sacrifice and like, not being able to eat anything that you needed to consume. And also the fact that the king was um, 
he had an inclusivity for everybody. He was actually, he sacrificed on behalf of those that couldn't afford. So that was one of the things that we looked at. And I think we also saw this, that this is more of a reminder of Christ to come because this happened six months after the first four festivals. So this, we think, is something that is representative of now that we can still do, but also a reminder of Christ to come. Okay, who's going to talk? Alright, so we discussed the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, it's said that that is when Yeshua was born, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. That's when he, we lived, uh, so the Israelites did it by celebrating intense, intense structures, um, like we're living in this um, impermanent world. Uh, so this is when it said that Yeshua was actually born. And there's so much more. Um, you have to give me an hour or two. Sell it out to 
Google or uh, yeah. the UN or yeah. 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 yeah, because they will will, will find their little J's. Sure. Yeah. And we also had a day of atonement, and we spoke a bit about the tradition with the scapegoat and how the priest will would um, put all the people's sins on a goat and send it out into the wilderness, and then uh, the, how that was important both for I mean, this was making atonement for the people, but it's also a very it was a strong symbolic action for the people. So they actually got to do something. And many Jews today, especially those living by the water, they would go down to the beach on this day and throw stones symbolizing their sins into the ocean. And in Norway, a very um, much used uh, tradition in youth services is to just do that, put a stone or a rock in front of the cross. And how that is Christ being this sacrifice for us for all time so that we don't have to and then we can still go and lay our burdens off by the cross. So that's what we did the Feast of Pentecost <coughs> and um, yeah, it's quite Stephen's about two thousand three and it's the Feast of Rain but it's a lot more than that. And you can read it um, from Leviticus 23, verse 15, right down, it involves sacrifice and milk as well. But the, um, the thing of, of uh, the grain is the first grains, and I think when Pentecost came down, it was the first experience of God's Holy Spirit on, mm. on His people. And um, the, for me, the, the great impact is like Stephen said, it's the impact of the timing of God. The 50 days um, after the, the, the Fox Supper, and it was exactly 50 days, and whenever I read the, 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 the Old Testament, the way God's timing is just so perfect, and it just grounds my faith. Um, and, and so that was... They always say leave the best for last, right? <laughs> Not yet.
read from the beginning and we noticed that there is the Feast of the Sabbath, which is that we get to celebrate, it's like the eighth one, and then we get to celebrate every day, like today. All right, just very interesting just to see, like, uh, you know, once we go through it, just sort of the different thoughts that come through, the different perspectives. It's really good just to hear that from each other. And, uh, yeah, maybe there's something. I don't know. Maybe there is a, you know, you don't want to go, like, fanatical in terms of looking at these festivals, but it just, there's just a deeper meaning, deeper understanding when you understand them and how it comes to God's story. And, uh, just the symbolism really helps us, you know, to, that idea of practicing the presence of God in the festivals. You know, there, there is a way that we're able to do that. Hopefully. So we're going to come to communion and, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's prepare our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for this time that we've been able to get together and, uh, and to, to, to learn a little bit more about you. Thank you for this morning and uh, for the new things we've learned, for the things that we learned a long time ago but have been refreshed, for the, the different insights this morning. Thank you for that. Thank you that as church we can do that. Thank you that we can come and not just hear from one but hear from many. We thank you for that this morning. Um, and Lord, we just pray that as we come to communion, Jesus, uh, we, we reflect back to, to that night where you, you took the grape juice and... Uh, you gave it to your disciples and you said, this is my, my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. In the same way you took that bread and broke it and you gave it to him and said, this is my body broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so we thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can come after going through just understanding a little bit of the festivals to come and to celebrate uh, communion that you established on the night that you died. Wow. We're still practicing it today. It still has meaning today. Wow. We thank you for what Passover, that first festival, and all that followed from that. And so this, this morning we want to come and uh, have communion in a, in a way that you are present. In a way that we bring all of who we are. We thank you that your blood was shed for, shed for us on the cross and your body was broken for us. And whenever we come to communion, we, we do it in remembrance of you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask the oversight team if you can go and get some bread and some... <coughs> Great use, and can you just start moving it around? I'd really like us to take it together. Maybe there's some leaders that want to help them as well, if there is, so we can get this done. So please hold, hold the, the bread and the juice, and then we'll take it together. Just in this attitude of prayer, that as we we come prepare our hearts to come to communion, just totally point of being totally overwhelmed that God who is out of time and space sees the beginning from the end would align those festivals 
Son, Jesus Christ. How powerful and almighty is He. So great. So beyond our understanding. Then comes to earth as a man. For us to identify. For us to accept. So Father, we, we thank you for this time. Thank you that we can come <coughs> and celebrate communion in this way. So let us take this cracker and eat knowing that Christ's body was broken for us on the cross. And he took our place on the cross. take our place on the cross, but your blood was shed for us, and that you were the ultimate sacrifice, you were the one that the prophecies all led to, you are the one that fulfilled all the festivals, so take and drink. Thank you.